You're listening to the Gluten-Free Guide Podcast with your host, Vanessa Weisbrod. Welcome to the Gluten-Free Guide Podcast. I'm Vanessa Weisbrod coming to you from the Celiac Disease Program at Children's National Health System. And I want to start out by saying a huge thank you to all of our dedicated listeners. Today's podcast is all about natural ways to boost important nutrients in our diets, specifically iron, calcium, vitamin D, and magnesium. This is especially important for patients with celiac disease who may be nutrient deficient. To help us dive into this topic, we have Kathleen Walters, our celiac program dietitian, in the studio to talk about these nutrients and foods that contain lots of them. My co-host Ellen Wilcox sat down with Kathleen, so take it away, Ellen. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us today. Of course, it's great to be here. So you talk about certain vitamins and minerals as being especially important for people with celiac disease. Can you tell us what they what they are and why they're important? Sure. Um, so this is not an all-inclusive list of every single nutrient that's important for celiac patients. But for the purposes of just our talk today, I'm focusing on a couple. Uh, number one, iron. And then uh, the other ones are going to be calcium, vitamin D, and magnesium. And all three of those, calcium, vitamin D, and magnesium, are important for bone health. Um, most Americans are already deficient in these nutrients in their diet. So in celiac patients, it's even more important for them because it is common to have low bone mineral density uh, when you present with celiac for the first time and you haven't been treated. Uh, we're also finding in our clinic that uh, even patients who have been following a gluten-free diet for, say, several years might have a low vitamin D. So it's especially important just to talk about it today. And iron as well, it can be a nutrient that celiac patients are low in. Um, and this is all related to, or for a large part, intestinal damage that can occur with celiac disease, uh, or that does occur, excuse me. Um, and iron deficiency anemia is the most common nutrient deficiency in the world. Uh, it's, it, it can occur in both developing countries, but also in the U.S., and there are certain population subgroups at a higher risk for iron deficiency. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of reasons why we're talking about these nutrients in particular today. So if a parent wants to make sure their children are getting not enough of these important nutrients, should they be looking at supplements? So we always focus on food first, supplement second. Yes, some patients might require a supplement, but that's something we'd really be deciding in clinic, uh, looking at a patient's history, looking at their lab values, if they have a, a history of a low bone mineral density, um, for instance. Yes, they might require a supplement, but for right now, we're focusing on um, sources from foods. Okay, so you know, as a parent, what would I look for? What would I do? What sort of foods would I look for? How would I know what's the right amount of that? Right. Type? So let's start off with iron, for instance, okay? Uh, there are two types of iron. Uh, there's heme iron, and heme iron is from animal products. So things like meat, uh, poultry, turkey, seafood. Uh, those are some, just a few examples. Non-heme iron is uh, plant-based iron. So things like that would be beans, lentils, fortified breakfast cereals, like gluten-free uh, whole grain Cheerios. Um, soy products, whether it's tofu, soy milk, soybeans, uh, there's a lot of different sources as well. Uh, vegetables like leafy greens, like spinach, dried fruits like apricots, 
Uh, nuts and seeds can be great sources of iron, baked potatoes with skin. Um, even a small amount of fruit can have iron in it. So there's a wide variety of foods uh, that actually contain um, iron. But again, there's heme iron, those are animal-based, and non-heme, for the most part, is plant-based. There's uh, some heme iron sources will also contain non-heme, but for the most part, just think plant-based for non-heme. So are they equally useful? Uh, do I need to lean one direction or another, or is it important to have both? They're both important to include. Heme iron is more easily absorbed by our bodies, um, but is the, more so than non-heme. However, uh, non-heme sources, so any kind of plant-based source, they're going to be, they also have other nutrients in them. So they're still important to include just in your normal diet. Very interesting. I, I didn't know, think about it that from those different sources. Yeah. So uh, the other uh, nutrients you talk about, calcium, sure. vitamin D, and magnesium, again, as a parent, what food should I be looking for? So uh, calcium um, and vitamin D, so the standard ones that you would think of would be dairy products, right? So milk or yogurt or cheese. Um, but you can also get those from dairy alternatives, so things like soy milk or almond milk or coconut milk. Um, there, there's even green pea milk on the market. So I work in an allergy clinic, so sometimes we have to um, recommend that for our patients who don't, who can't tolerate nuts or have allergies to nuts and to milk protein. So just make sure that they're fortified with calcium and vitamin D. They often go hand in hand um, and try to go for some of the more unsweetened versions. But you can also find calcium in a lot of fortified whole grains. Uh, so for instance, um, a fortified whole grain gluten-free uh, bread or cereal. Um, you can also find calcium in vegetables. Uh, so there's a lot of different sources. For vitamin D, the foods are really more limited in the natural sources of vitamin D. Uh, there are a lot of fortified products with vitamin D, like the dairy or dairy alternatives like I just mentioned, but you can also find it in some gluten-free whole grains as well. Fortified orange juice uh, is another source, so I would limit juice just to four ounces a day, so half a cup. That's a general recommendation that we give for any patient, regardless of their age. Um, natural sources of vitamin D would be things like cod liver oil, fatty fish like salmon, mackerel, tuna, um, eggs can have some mushrooms grown under UV light. Um, so, but I would say the, if I were going to choose or recommend a certain one, fatty fish definitely packs a lot of um, vitamin D in oh, great, it. Great to know. Yeah. So, and magnesium, what, what, what sort of foods would I look for for that? So for magnesium, there's also a wide variety. And a lot of these nutrients are going to overlap in foods. So a lot of beans and lentils will contain magnesium. Uh, nuts, uh, such as cashews, almonds, uh, seeds like chia seeds or hemp seeds, um, dark green vegetables. You can find it in avocado, a little bit in yogurt, uh, baked potatoes. So again, you can see some overlap in some of the nutrients here, uh, which is why it's important to include a wide variety. Great, thank you. I also know, or I've heard people talk about being exposed to sunshine is helpful for vitamin D. Yes. And I'd like to hear what you recommend as far as natural light versus I know sometimes people are interested in tanning beds. Uh, is there something to keep in mind about that? Um, yes, you can obtain vitamin D well, de for, from sunlight, yes. Uh, there are a number of factors that affect your absorption of vitamin D, though. When, so a couple things. Um, the season. You're going to absorb more vitamin D in the summertime or the spring uh, months, maybe. Depends on where you live. 
the latitude of what you're where you're at. So some places you just won't absorb vitamin D, say in the winter months. So for for instance, in Boston or Chicago or New York, above the 40 degree latitude, you're not going to be absorbing vitamin D during the winter months like you would in say Miami, for instance, right? Um, other things that would affect your absorption of vitamin D would be your skin pigmentation. So if you have fairer skin, you're going to absorb it a lot easier or a lot faster than if you have a darker pigmentation. Um, the type of clothing that you're going to that you're wearing. If there's cloud coverage, if there's buildings, if there's pollution, even um, sunblock does that make a sunblock difference? can also make a difference. So there's a wide variety of factors. It's not just a every person's going to be different, you know, since there's so many different things to go into it. A general recommendation uh, that has been suggested is five to ten minutes, two to three times a week, exposing maybe your, your face, your hands, your arms um, to get some vitamin D. But again, if, you're, uh, if this is happening during the wintertime and you're above the 40-degree latitude, then it's not going to happen. So really focusing on food. Uh, potentially a supplement might be required, but yeah, there are a lot of things that go into it. As far as the tanning beds, yes, you can get vitamin D from tanning beds. However, there's also increased risk for things like skin cancer uh, associated with that. So that's something you'd want to discuss with your dermatologist before deciding, okay, this is the, this is the way I'm going to get vitamin D. Thank you. So should I get my, should I talk to my doctor about getting my children, my child's blood levels checked for these nutrients? Are there blood tests that can check for this? And should I, should we get them? So for, with your gastroenterologist um, on your celiac team, they're likely going to be checking for different uh, iron labs. Uh, it's not just one iron test, so it's a whole panel that they'll run. And vitamin D, they'll likely check for that as well. Um, and if they're, for calcium, it could be included in other lab work. Um, magnesium could be included in other lab work, but those aren't standard ones that you're necessarily checking for bone mineral density. If bone mineral density is a concern, your and your gastroenterologist thinks that you need to that needs to be checked, then they'll likely recommend something like a DEXA scan, for instance. And what is a DEXA scan? So it's just a, a scan that's going to look at your. It's a radiological test that looks at your overall uh, bone density. Okay, thanks. Mm-hmm. Now, what should we think about fiber. How important is it? Especially important if you have celiac disease. So it's important for all uh, all human beings, regardless, right? And Americans um, are deficient in the amount of fiber that we need uh, on a daily basis, both for men and for women. For celiac patients, a constipation uh, is pretty common. So it is really important to include a lot of natural sources of fiber in your diet. So what types of things should, what types of foods should I be looking for for that? So natural sources of fiber would be things like fruits and vegetables and gluten-free whole grains, legumes, so beans, lentils, uh, nuts can contain fiber. Um, So those are some great sources that um, you can turn to. As a parent, how would I know how much fiber my my particular child needs? So there, it differs depending on your age and your sex, but a general rule of thumb, and this is from uh, recommended by the American Academy of Pediatrics, is to take your, take your child's age and add five to 10, and that'll give you a range for the amount of grams per day that they need. 
So for instance, say your child's nine years old, um, add five to 10, so nine plus five, 14, nine, nine plus 10, 19, right? 14 to 19 grams a day is just a general rule of thumb that you can go for. That's very helpful, thank you. It's yeah. really great to have something practical like that to look for. Yeah, but really if you're just, if you're making half your plate fruits and vegetables, including a lot of legumes and nuts and gluten-free whole grains, you're going to meet your fiber needs, just focusing on those at every meal and snack. Okay, so you're talking about how much should be kind of like on a plate. Sure. So what should I be looking for just generally as I'm making up a plate uh, for a meal for my child? Yeah. Um, So yeah, because I know it can get overwhelming thinking about every single nutrient and trying to meet those nutrient needs, right? So at the end of the day, if you're following just my plate guidelines, so we had changed from the pyramid, the USDA did to a plate several years ago. And the idea behind my plate is that half your plate should be fruits and vegetables, a quarter of the plate should be grains, or about a quarter, and ideally we want to make at least half of those grains whole. Um, So for a celiac patient, that would be things like amaranth and millet and teff, uh, quinoa. Um, If you want to see an all-inclusive list, the Whole Grains Council website has a whole list of gluten-free whole grains. Um, So that's a great resource that you can use. So that's a quarter of the plate, and then about a quarter of the plate would be a protein source, whether it's chicken or turkey or a fish. Um, You can also put beans into that category. Beans can go into a couple of categories, but that one fits as well. And then having some dairy or dairy alternative. So if you're focused on this at every meal and snack, and this is uh, snack, excuse me, and that's your base that you go by, then you're going to meet the the nutrient needs more, or um, you should be, um, for every meal and snack. All right. So before we wrap up today, are there any last thoughts um, you'd like to share about natural ways for parents to help their children's health? Um, honestly, what I, what I just focused on from my play guidelines is really, uh, again, what I would come back to, if it helps when you're going in the supermarket. You might have heard people say, well, just shop the perimeter. For a large part, yes, that's true. So focusing on those fresh fruits and vegetables you can still do canned you can still do frozen um just make sure if it's canned that you're washing off the extra sodium and if it's a fruit that you're getting it just in the right the natural juice of the fruit uh and besides that um focusing on those gluten-free whole grains the the dairy products or dairy alternatives are on that perimeter as well and usually the protein sources are too so i think that's that's what i really want to hone down on more so than anything else Great. Well, Kathleen, thanks for all this really great practical advice uh, for parents of children with celiac disease. We appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, Kathleen, for joining the podcast today. I know our listeners really enjoyed all of these suggestions and will hopefully go out and make some good choices for eating nutrient-rich foods. And thank you so much to Ellen for sitting down with Kathleen for the interview. Now, before we sign off for today, I've got our grocery store tip of the week brought to you thanks to the generous support of Giant and Martin's Foods. Grocery store aisles have tons of choices when it comes to frozen fruits and vegetables, and thankfully, almost all of them are naturally gluten-free. As summer winds down, take a moment to pick out a variety of frozen fruits and leafy greens like spinach or kale and toss them into the blender with almond or coconut milk and some ice. In just minutes, you'll have a nutrient-packed smoothie to fuel your body. Well, we're all out of time for today. I hope you all enjoyed the podcast and we'll talk to you again next time.